To say his life has been a roller coaster is an understatement. He's experienced the highest of the highs in racing and the lowest of the lows in life. But his deeds on the track certainly qualify Greg Hall as being one of Australia's most legendary jockeys. Greg, 49 Group 1 winners over a stellar career. Sydney, Adelaide, Brisbane and the ultimate, a Melbourne Cup, a Ladbrokes Cox Plate, a couple of Golden Slippers and five derbies. An absolutely amazing career and we're going to talk through a lot of those. But at the height of your career I want to talk about first is you rode for two of the biggest owners in the history of Australian racing in the late Kerry Packer and of course Lloyd Williams. How much pressure went with that? I thrived on pressure, to answer your question. You know, I really did, I really did. And the, the higher the stakes and um, the higher the risk and the money that they put on was irrelevant to me. And um, I, I, I actually thrived on pressure. And I got that name that he's a big race jockey and it was just embedded with me, I suppose. You know, I come from a long line of history of a racing family that went for a hundred years and not one day went by where a hall didn't ride. Not long after you met Kerry Packer um, for the first time and it was with this horse Major Drive that you first formed the association. Lloyd Williams, of course, involved in the horse as well. But you were riding Major Drive in a Sydney Cup there was a raging hot favourite, Myo card. Um, you were behind the barriers and the race was about to start. Tell us the rest of this story. I get a phone call. Well, I didn't get a phone call. The starter did. And, uh, at the barriers? At the barriers. Now, this has never been done in the history of horse racing before or after. And Bill comes up to me, the starter, and Bill said to me, Greg, he said, I just got a phone call from... John Shrek, who was nicknamed the Sheriff then. You Chairman know. of Stewards. Yep, he said, uh, we're, he's going to be watching you the whole race. And me being a bit of a cheeky bugger and all that, I said, oh, that's very kind of him. I said, what about the other 23 runners? And he said, no, he's serious. And I knew Bill was serious. He said, he's, and I've got no idea what this is about, Ash. I haven't got a clue, right? I said, well, that's strange, you know. And he said, now, be careful. He said, he's gonna, they're going to focus on you the whole race. Now, he gets back last, this horse, because he's got a bit of acid in rear, mm. and he takes time to wind up. The short story is we top the rise, and Maya Card's the, the, the hot three-year-old favourite at the time. And um, so I've got him in my sights as we top the rise, and uh, and I give him a few round the backside, and, get up and beat him by a long neck. And I come back in and I got on the scales to weigh in and I said, oh, Mr. Shrek, now I've still got no idea what's happened, right? And I said, oh, Mr. Shrek, I said, uh, I said, what was that message behind? And there's cameras everywhere and helicopters and all that stuff and all the bells and whistles. And I said, what was the, what was the phone call for? He said, listen here, Hall. He said, let bygones be bygones and all's well that ends well. He said, do you understand me? Son, I said, Crystal. So I left, got in the shower and ended up. Then Lloyd says to me, oh, we've got to go to Mr. Packers tonight. Me being, you know, it's pretty common knowledge that um, Greg was a bit of a, 
liked a bit of a nightclub and a bit of a party. You wanted to get out and get celebrate. You had to go see Kerry Packer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, Jesus! I said, I only met him yesterday. Now he's becoming a pest. <laughs> so, <laughs> tongue in cheek. And uh, so we get there, and anyway, um, he walks in with the cup. He said, come with me. He said, I want to go into the office. He said, great ride, son. He said, yeah, terrific ride. Now, these blokes don't sort of really rap people, you know, and... Um, it's only the second day I've met him. He said, that was a great ride, he said, but he said, even though I had seven million on the second horse, you little bastard. Seven million, million. in 1987? Now, the phone call was about that, obviously, because uh, Major Drive went from three to one to eight to one. My car went from even money into seven to two on, right? But I don't know this. I know nothing about this, right? So then I was having a conversation with Kerry and um, and I told him the story just like I'm telling you. He said, oh, is that right, son? He said, he said, oh, soon so-and-so fix that up. Well, next minute he rings Jim Bell. Now, Jim Bell's the chairman of the AJC who overrides John Shrek and the rest of the staff, right? Anyway, um, Jim Bell comes around and he fills him up full of scotch that, and he said, you know those paid servants that you've got working underneath you? He said, I'll get them all sacked. He said, don't be sending messages around to my jockeys or around to my boy around behind the barriers. And he's and I'm going, oh, my God, you know. Anyway, so I go away for six... I go up to the Brisbane Carnival, right? On the way back, Lloyd rings me. He said, oh, look, you've got to ride one at Canterbury on the, on the way home. He said for, um, and, and Kerry was in this horse too, right? And it was a horse called Muffler. I'll never forget it. In those days, you had to have a clearance, right? And you had to take it into the steward's room. And I'm walking in there, and obviously they'd all been, been told that soon as Hall walks in here, telling him to come straight in the room. And I said, what's this all about, you know? And um, he said, sit down. This is John Shrek, right, and uh, the other stewards. And uh, he said, sit down. He said, and I've got no idea what this is going to be about, right? He said, you got your clearance? I said, yes, sir. He said, right. He said, we don't care who you know, how much money they got, or how powerful they are. And I've got no clue, right? Mm. And when he said this to me, the pennies drop. You know what's happened here, Greg? I'm saying to myself, Jim Bell's gone back and give John Shrek a serve about the phone call, right? They said, we'll call you when, whenever we like. He said to me, do we understand each other, Hall? <laughs> I said, yes, Mr Shrek. I said, but I'll say this to you. I said, let bygones be bygones and all's well, let ends well. And you got that angry, he said, get out, get out. Just kicked you out. Um, a couple of others, uh, we want to chat about the, the Melbourne Cup and obviously the Ladbrokes Cox Plate as well. But just before we close out on, on Kerry, of course, you had that, well, somewhat controversial Golden Slipper win on Merlin, of course, where... You may or may not have knocked a few down to win the race. But the one I want to talk about is you might have cost... Uh, cost Kerry, so to speak, winning on major drive. But tell us about Mahogany in the derby. There's a there's a lovely story there where, relating to his betting again, um, that was in 93, of course, and arguably the greatest horse you ever rode, Mahogany. 
Kerry's very big and loud and boisterous, you know, we're in the mounting yard and here's this little jockey in between them and um, Kerry's going, what do you think, son? He said, what do you think, Greggy boy? I said, KP, I said, how much, we got made in there, I can't even put KP, you know, and he, I said, KP, I said, how much you had on him? He said, I've had 1.6 million on him. Then they said, riders up, and as I walk off, I said, what, did you drop your handbag? I said, go and have a decent bet. I said, this'll win by a minute. <laughs> anyway, he went to Lloyd, he said, he said, I like that kid. So he went and had another three million on him at one by seven lengths at nine to two. Oh, well, <laughs> certainly back in the uh, back in the good books there. Um, wonderful, wonderful horse, Mahogany, who gave you um, so many great moments along the way. Uh, let's move on to Sub Zero, who gave you the ultimate moment. Winning a Melbourne Cup changes your life, doesn't it? It does. It's a dream, but you can dreams normally don't come true. You but know? everyone knows who you are after that day. Yeah, they do. You know, I used to dream of it as a kid, a kid before I even started riding. I, that, that was what I wanted to do was win a Melbourne Cup. But you wake up in the morning, the cup's not there, you know. But um, it changes your life. And um, we got to the front of the 300. And I was talking to him during the race and I was singing my way to him, Frank Sinatra, <laughs> and keeping him relaxed because you got to get the picture that, you know, these horses are gone from crowds of four or five thousand or ten thousand maybe or now all of a sudden there's a hundred and twenty thousand drunks here you know yelling and screaming when you're going out the race to the barriers and all that stuff and so you the the main thing it, well, the people the people are going to get wound up why wouldn't the horses yeah that's right because they're not used to that environment so it's very important that you keep him um keep him relaxed as you can from the time you get on him in the mountain yard when we got to the 300, I've said to myself, I said, now, Subby, I said, you might be happy with this. I said, but I'm not real pleased about it, you know? And because it, that 300 metres is a long way in a Melbourne Cup to the winning post. I just know that anything could come out of the pack and grab your ride and, uh, and I'm going, I wish that winning post had come in instead of me going yeah. there. But he ended, up, he ended up winning by two lengths and he won fair and square and um, he beat two good horses actually. He beat Vianda Cross and Castletown and they were very serious horses. And and um, he was trained to the minute and I'll give myself a bit of a rap here. I, I did was probably one of my best rides ever. Then it was only, what, five years later and you thought, I've done the ultimate, I've won a Melbourne Cup back in... 92, five years later, you thought, I've done it again. And yet you're nearly as well known for being beaten in that 1997 Cup as you are for winning it five years earlier in some ways. Um, you were on Doremus, uh, the great might and power was in front. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that last 50 metres. It was an amazing race and I look back at it, you know, and obviously I was disappointed at the time, but, but I definitely thought I had him and even Jimmy Cassidy says, I thought he had me too, but, and we all know, people that know racing about the bob of the head, right? And I had him before the post and after the post, but that, that uh, photo finish line is the width of a uh, cigarette paper, right? And as I went past Johnny, Johnny Letts said, yeah, you got it. And naturally, and I don't normally do this, right? Unless I'm pretty much 100% sure, you know? And um, when I'd come back, 
we all know the result, but... Um, How did you feel? You know, I'm not that happy, but of course I'm not happy, you know, mm. and... Um, um, I walked in there very quiet for me because I was sort of the life of a party in, in the jockey's room and um, and he he says, uh, he says, gee, he said, I got you, he said, I got you right on the line. And all the boys have gone silent, you know, the young ones coming through and all that. And so now I'm starting to get a little bit more upset, you know. And he said, yeah, he said, what about that, eh? And I said, I'll tell you something, Jim. And all the boys are going, what's G gonna say? I said, you can only drink out of one cup, mate. Meaning the Melbourne Cup. I said, and you can only eat off one plate. Meaning the Ladbrokes Cox plate. I said, but you've either got a cold foot or a limp. He said, what are you talking about, I got a cold foot or a limp? I said, well, who goes into a store and buys one slipper? He's only got he's only got one golden slipper. I got two. I love <laughs> and it. And the boy said, I, "The boy said, see, you should never have went there." Master of the one line as always. Um, you mentioned the Ladbrokes Cox Plate. Now, you talk about great races, and that was an epic Melbourne Cup. But that Ladbrokes Cox Plate that you won on Superimpose, arguably the greatest, certainly one of the greatest races we've seen. But incredibly. You really, you had nothing to do with the horse until the day of the race. Nothing. You'd never ridden him before. Well, I was trying to get on Let's Elope, and I did get hold of him uh, once on the phone. I said, oh, Mr Cummins, I said, can I ride Let's Elope or win on her? He said, do you think so, son? He said, I'll think about it. But he would never give me an answer. And then it was coming to the 11th hour, you know, no word back and I'm sending letters and leaving messages here and phone rang and it was Lee. And uh, he said, have you got to ride in the Cox Plate? And I said, no. He said, well, you can ride superimposed, right? Now, I've never touched the horse or patted him or anything. I said, do you want me to ride him work in the morning? He said, no, 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 no. He said, we'll just see at the races. Set to go, they stand to attention for the plate. They're off. And superimposed, missed it about a length and a half, and awake brilliantly here, Kinjate flying from the outside with Coronation Day. I got round the half-mile turn there, and just a bit of a straight down there, so I started to peel off, and um, and because Let's Elope had, right, and, um, and next minute all this carnage happened, these three horses come down. Old superimposed, peeling to the outside with Betelucian up. There's a fall. There's a fall in the Cox Plate. And Naturalism's lost the rider. Sinister is out of the race and so is Palace Rain. Rough habit has been knocked out of it now. And Jimmy said to me, he said, gee, 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 let me out. Let me out. I said, mate, I'm in enough trouble myself. I can't help you, you know. But I didn't forget that story in the jockey's room either. And, <laughs> and, um, and I had him in a real good real good rhythm and, and I was very strong with the whip and never missed a beat with him, you know, and um, and you have to, if you don't do it at the right time, it, it can miss, change legs or anything like that. And I got, had her in my sights and I said, there's one thing you and I are gonna do here, Super, we are gonna get her. <laughs> and um, 
the rest was history. Down the outside, superimposed. Let's open the middle. Prince Salieri getting a run. Better loosen up and superimposed. Let's elope in front. Superimposed driving. Super. I think super and nose to let's elope on a cox plate. There'll never, ever be a cox plate like that ever, ever again. Greg, a bit, of, a bit about your background, and, uh, and this is really important in the context of life after your riding career. It was a tough childhood, wasn't it? Um, you were separated from your mum at a very young age. Yeah, two years of age. I was born in Adelaide, and Dad had drove my brother and sister back, and I'd come back on a plane, and a friend of his picked me up at Essendon Airport. And at two years of age, mate, I don't know why, but... Um, Obviously, at two years of age, how would I know what happened, you know? So I wanted to outline the childhood because I think it plays to to the battles that you had when you retired from racing and how and how your life went off the rails. Well, I was, I was brought up with 40 grown men, beautiful men, you know, and a, a man's world then, you know, and... Um, but the lack of female influence in your life... That, damn it... I, that really damaged me because I had no uh, experience about being a parent or anything like that. And um, and that's where you your marriage to Kim, which was such a such a a, a building block, a foundation in your life. Um, that's where it all started to go wrong when when your marriage broke down. Yeah, it did. She wore each other since we were fifteen, and it's the love of my life and. I don't want to get teary about it because I haven't seen my daughter since she's three or four, but um, and now she's 24. But I got my son back in my life. But when the marriage broke down in Dubai, I'd stopped riding too early because it hit me so hard and exactly what you said. I look back now at him and, and what I'd done was, and it was embedded in me, and I'm not blaming anybody, but but it's reality that I put racing in front of everything. I didn't know any different, you know, and um, as much as I love Kimmy and all that, I, I look back now and I probably should have spent more time rather than being hooked up in this crazy world of, of riding for billionaires and casinos and yachts and Learjets. $10,000 suits and, and, and rock star and status, rock star lifestyle. But you, the marriage broke down, you, you stopped riding, your life just fell to pieces and all of the, the frailties that you had took over your life. Yeah, and I knew the separation was serious and I come back to Melbourne and um, when that hit me and the phone stopped and especially the separation, I went straight to the bottle and then the next, it's been 20, nearly 21 years now since I've rode, it just bowled out of control and it just, I still had money and houses and all that stuff but it, alcohol just took over and... Um, and took everything. It took, it just took away everything in my life. Greg, you've got yourself into a good place now. Um, in fact, this is the best I think I've seen you since um, since you did finish riding. Um, but it's a battle every day and it will be for the rest of your life. Yeah, and you're exactly right, Adam. I am in a good place. I'm very content and happy, but 
it's a disease that you have for life. It's not curable. The greatest gift I get out of um, dealing with this disease I've got is to uh, walk onto a race course now and um, people look at me and they go, geez, it's good to have you back, G. That's exactly what they say because they know the difference. They can just see it. Mate, no better way to finish than that. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, call the number on the screen or visit the website.